Melissa Davis is the director of our criminal practice clinic, supervising students as they represent clients in criminal cases in New Hampshire's circuit and superior courts. Let's go into her background, getting into law, her career as a public defender, and transitioning into being a clinical professor of law. This is Profiles, a special series of the podcast, The Legal Impact, where you get to know the powerhouse people at UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. UNH Franklin Pierce is now accepting applications for JD graduate programs and online professional certificates. Learn more and apply at law.unh.edu. So, Melissa, let's start at the beginning of your legal journey. I mean, what led you to want to study law? Uh, So when I was, uh, I'm from California, and I went to the University of California at Santa Barbara for undergrad, uh, and the University of California offers uh, what they call UCDC, which is a semester program in Washington, D.C. And so actually my last semester of uh, undergrad, I spent uh, working for the Feminist Majority, which was a feminist legal nonprofit, Um, well, it's a Nonprofit. It also does legal work in Washington, D.C. Um, and I got to work on some Supreme Court cases with some, some of the attorneys there, as well as doing some organizing work. And through that process, I really sort of started to think that maybe I wanted a career in law, uh, specifically policy. And so um, at the time, I decided to kind of think on that. So I, I went back home to California and I worked for a couple of years actually um, for the YMCA running programs for teenagers um, and in schools and then decided to apply to law schools. Um, I applied to a couple in California, but I ended up choosing American University's Washington College of Law because while I had been in uh, D.C. during undergrad, they had put on a number of programs um, that they advertised to the public that were really interesting. They had a great public interest program, um, and I thought it would be a great fit for what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to do public interest work. I still thought I wanted to do policy work. I still thought I wanted to do policy work on women's issues, uh, and they offered um, a lot of opportunity for that. Now, w- going to law school, I mean, what was your experience like, and did it reinforce that desire? So uh, my first year of law school, I think I was one of those people who really did not know what I was getting into. Um, I had no idea what a first year curriculum would look like. I remember going to the bookstore, uh, getting the required books, sitting down with my Civ Pro book and my brand new uh, Black's Law dictionary that my mom had bought for me and trying looking up almost every other word um, in the Civ Pro reading. Uh, the first reading before class and thinking, I don't even understand this language. Um, you know, and I struggled a little bit my first year. I was, you know, kind of trying to find my way. It took me a while to figure out um, sort of how the legal concepts we were talking about in court really worked in the real world. Um, and, you know, we were talking about a lot of concepts that were pretty foreign to me at the time. I mean, um, you know, I grew up in you know, in the Bay Area in California in apartments. And the concept of like property was totally foreign (laughs) to me. Totally different thing. Yeah. So, you know, I I struggled um, my first year to really figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, You know, I sort of bounced around um, from class to class thinking, you know, okay, like maybe I want to do art law. Maybe I want to do, you know, uh, I forget all the different things I sort of, you know, looked at. I just, I didn't really... I still was thinking about policy kind of stuff, and you know, I started to think about civil rights law um, when I was taking con law. But I really didn't know my first year. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought 
um, I'm not really sure where this is all going to lead. I mean, as a, as you progress, as you kind of, do you find that niche through something in particular, or was it just just found a career after? Yeah. So I mean, I think like all law schools, there's these lunchtime. Uh, offerings where people come and make presentations and there's pizza, right? <laughs> like that, at least pre-COVID, that's the way things worked. I'm hoping those will come back and work that way again. But I went to a pizza lunchtime thing called, So You Want to Be a Public Defender? And it was um, during the spring semester of my first year, you know, and I sort of knew what a public defender was, um, but I didn't know very much about it at the time. I'm not one of those people that went to law school, you know, thinking or knowing that they wanted to do criminal defense or that they wanted to be a public defender. Anyways, the woman, um, the people putting it on at the law school brought in uh, the uh, recruiting director for Uh, the Public Defender Service, which is the public defender in D.C., Um, and I got to hear about what it would be like to do that kind of work, Um, and I thought, well, I'd like to do an externship. Maybe this would be a good idea, and so I applied for an externship with PDS um, and was accepted for the fall of my 2L year. Um, in the summer, actually that summer between 1L and 2L year, you know, I had thought, you know, do I want to do civil legal services? and so I got a job working for the AIDS Legal Referral Program in San Francisco. It was a civil legal aid organization serving um, clients that were HIV positive or um, had full-blown AIDS um, in San Francisco with housing issues, with wills, um, trusts, uh, uh, Social Security, those kinds of things. And you know, while I liked the clients and while I was passionate about the work, um, the, the mission, I guess, the work itself, did not inspire me. I've sort of civil legal services work just wasn't up my alley. Super um, depressing too. It, I mean, it's hard work, and you know, I think you can you can accomplish a yeah. lot, but it just it didn't have you know sort of that excitement that mm-hmm. I got when I started working at the public defender service. So so after you graduated, I mean, where did you start? Because you immediately went to being in public defense, right? Yeah. So I I was really fortunate in law school because I had a few mentors that really made a difference for me. So there were two professors at the law school, Angela Davis and Cynthia Jones, who were former um, directors of the Public Defender Service in D.C. And, um, you know, through their mentorship, I took a lot of their classes, um, learned about what it would be like to be a public defender, learned trial skills, learned ethics, learned, you know, client management, all that kind of stuff. Um, I ended up externing for a year at the Public Defender Service with a woman named Heather Pinckney, who's an amazing trial attorney. So, you know, these women, you know, really uh, kind of uh, inspired me and showed me the way for what it was like, you know, not just to be a criminal defense attorney, but to be a public defender. And to me, that means, you know, I think all attorneys are zealous advocates, but public defenders, you know, are really tested in that area. And mm-hmm. you have to come in believing, you know, in zealous advocacy and client-centered representation. And my education in law school really supported that. Feels like it was also followed your passion. We did, I've spoken with Professor Schur about this. It was a very similar journey where he had this passion, like, I want to make change to to how things go. I want to help people. But uh, like for you, you thought it was going to be public policy, ended up being in this direction, which is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, once you meet a client for the first time, 
um, which I got to do during the externship, you know, and start to work on an individual client's case and see the kind of difference you can make in an individual person's life that it really becomes a, a, a great motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get to see how the criminal legal system um, really affects individual people's lives and how you can help them on that individual level, um, you know, it's it's just creates more drive to want to do more policy. You're kind of limited mm-hmm. um, and you have to be political. Um, but on an individual case, you know, you can make the arguments that are um, the right thing for your client, the best arguments for your client um, in the situation. So it makes a difference. Did it feel limiting to go to that individual level instead of their your original passion? No, no. In, yeah. in fact, it felt like freedom. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was this ability to meet someone and by meet someone I mean meet them where they're at um, Mm -hmm. you know in their life at that moment get to know them you know get to know what's going on in their lives get to know the issues facing them but then counsel them and advise them about how to resolve the legal situation that they're in and you know I always say sometimes the legal situation they're in is not you know the biggest issue they're facing in the moment Mm -hmm. Um, people think that you know, criminal charges must be the most pressing thing in someone's life. Um, And a lot of times what they're facing is, you know, housing issues or job issues or family issues or all other kinds of things that are going on at the time. And what I could do as a public defender was say, look, I've got you when it comes to this case. Like, Mm -hmm. we are going to figure this out together. Um, And, you know, so I'm here to, to get to know you and get to know what's important to you so that you can make the right decisions. And, for your case. And there's a reason why they're needing a public defender in the first place. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a yeah, financial it's, situation or something to that effect. Absolutely. You know, and I think, um, you know, so you sort of go into it knowing that there's going to be a lot going on mm. in, in someone's life. You know, I'm really grateful for, um, you know, like I said, the, the the school started my education in this area with the externship program. I was able to take classes you know, that talked about um, public defender work and client work. But then I got to do a a full year clinic um, my third year of law school. Um, And that put me in D.C. Superior Court representing clients in misdemeanors every day. Um, You know, and really at that point, I felt like when I graduated, I had already been doing the work for Mm -hmm. two years. I mean, so experiential learning was really key to me in law school um, and really helped me figure out that this was the right place for me. You know, like I said, that first year was a little rocky. Um, but as soon as I started going down the experiential learning path and figuring out what I wanted to do, what kind of law I wanted to practice, I loved law school. Now, you, you talked a little bit about some of the angles on reform you know, or just important issues that mattered to you going into law school. How much did that change being a public defender, like, do you feel like it changed your outlook and how the legal system operates that maybe in, from basically as a comparison from before to after being a public defender? You know, I think women's issues are still really important to me in my personal life. Um, and, you know, I, I, I care about those things personally, but professionally, once, you know, I started to uh, see how the how the legal system affects individual people and how it really can destroy someone's life. Mm -hmm. Um, It, 
you know, opened my eyes to all kinds of issues, you know, that were going on. And so, you know, throughout my career, those are the issues that have really been, you know, motivating me um, uh, to help my clients because it's not just, you know, seeing a case in isolation um, in the moment of saying, okay, I have this one client and he has this one drug charge and we're going to create this one resolution. Yes, that's important, extremely important, especially for that client, but recognizing it as part of a whole pattern um, and a whole system uh, is important in learning um, how to challenge other people's cases, um, but also try to, you know, make some change uh, in the criminal legal system. So I feel like um, a comparison, I always like making the comparison to people that aren't in the legal industry because I'm technically not in the legal industry. I'm a staffer, but um, I I like to think of like the public defenders as like the ER nurses and doctors. They're like, these are the people like in the worst situation. They're desperately needing assistance. I mean, how do you cope with that stress and these people that are coming in that are dealing with all sorts of issues. I guarantee a lot of them like to just put it all out there too. I mean, how do you cope with it? That's a real a real question and a real issue, I think. Um, when I was a new public defender, um, you know, I think I just thought I was invincible. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, this, I found this thing I'm very passionate about and this will be my career and what I do you know, for the next 30 or 40 (laughs) years and my passion will drive me. And there are people, you know, who are like that and, you know, they they sort of live and breathe the work and that's what gets them through. And that's what got me through for a while. But after a while, um, (laughs) you know, it does start to take a toll. And I think the the majority of um, attorneys on both sides um, and judges, it's all been recognized that, you know, there's issues with compassion fatigue and um, secondary traumatic stress and all of those kinds of things. And so I think there's been a great movement in the last few years for us to start to recognize that, um, deal with it, you know, take care of ourselves. Um, you know, no one wants to, you know, I used to think that um, as when I started to get through a few years I started, you know, I started to hear from other people about, you know, burnout. And mm-hmm. at some point, you know, this work is just going to burn you out and you're going to be done. And I it's started, not a healthy outlook of well, way, way to, to approach like, it. OK, well, how, you know, how long do I have? Like, yeah. you know, when is this going to happen? I remember my my mentor uh, my first year said you get three heartbreaking cases. And after the third heartbreaking case, you're done. And I, I kept waiting like, OK. <laughs> Here's number one. When's number two? When's number three? And it, it took a while for me to realize, like, I don't want to burn out from this work. You know, there may be moments that are lows, and I have to sort of figure out a way to get through them, um, if I want to continue. But I don't have to just leave and burn out. And so I can do other things. I can. Um, you know, diversify kind of you know what my interests are, but you know. You're always, I think, as a public defender, checking whether or not, you know, sort of your own physical and mental health is sufficient for you to do the the work because you never want to let your client down. Yeah. I mean, you felt like you took like the ultimate diversification approach and becoming uh, working in our clinic here. I mean, what was that transition like? Yeah. You know, so, well, you know, I came to New Hampshire because it has... um, one of the best public defender programs in the country. You know, I I was looking all over the country at the time when I graduated law school, and um, 
you know, I came here because it offered great training and, and a number of other reasons, but the training and the mentorship is really what made the difference for me. And so because I had sort of committed myself to um, this place because of mentorship and training, I always felt like I had to kind of wanted to give back. So when new lawyers came into the program, um, you know, I really made an effort to be a mentor. I really made an effort um, to engage in training. I really made an effort to co-counsel cases with younger lawyers. Um, And so over the 15 years that I was with the public defender, like, you know, that became one of the ways that I really you know, survive those low moments I was talking about, you know, by, um, you know, engaging in, in, you know, training and teaching um, that got me through sometimes. And so I think I started to feel like, well, I want to do more of this, but I don't want to stop being a public defender. You know, I don't want to stop you know, uh, representing people and the clinic opportunity is really only one job where you can do that in the state and it's this one. Um, and so when the opportunity came up, you know, I, I thought about it and while I was, you know, happy at the public defender, I was a managing attorney, um, you know, and working with great people who I love, I couldn't really ignore this opportunity because, you know, it presented so you know, really the chance to learn to teach in a way that you're never going to get when you have a full caseload um, and you're trying serious cases and you've got uh, a million other things going on. And you also get to like you 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 were able to train new or upcoming attorneys in the office, which is very different from like, no, I am running a law firm at a law school. You're being taught everything in addition to alongside the courses they're being taught here alongside. I mean, that has to be a lot more productive to be able to do it in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I just look back on my own experience and think, you know, when I set foot first day at the public defender, you know, I felt like I was ready. Mm -hmm. You know, I was ready to go. Despite never having practiced in New Hampshire, you know, I felt like I was ready to represent clients. Um, I, you know, knew how to build a client relationship and how to, you know, um, give advice. I'm not saying like (laughs) I was any kind of expert, (laughs) but, you know, I think I had that confidence that a lot of students, um, you know, who haven't had that experience don't have necessarily going into this kind of job. I mean, I think there's a bit in the beginning, this feeling for new lawyers of like, you know, why should this client listen to me? How am I going to gain their trust? Um, You know, are they just going to think I'm somebody who doesn't know anything? Um, Are they going to wish they had somebody else for a lawyer? And if you can tell a client in that situation, look, yeah, you know, this is maybe my first year with New Hampshire Public Defender, but I've been doing this already in law school. I know what I'm doing and project that confidence, um, it's it's just so much, such a much more comfortable start to your career. And so I, you know, in the clinic, you know, there's a lot of things that we cover, but um, really my goal is helping um, students, no matter what they want to do. I mean, maybe they'll be, you know, public defenders. Maybe they'll do civil legal services. Maybe they'll just have clients in small firms or big firms. But that when they go into that situation, they're not afraid to sit with a client and be a lawyer. I think that's really important. And and really, the clinic is kind of the only place that you can get that experience in the law school where it's your client, your case, you know, you're the one making the decisions. Um, 
under the supervision of me, which, you know, I think provides that safety net, um, but allows you to go into practice feeling like I know what I'm doing a little bit. There's a lot of figuring out how a law firm operates, too, is an important part of the clinic and managing files and everything like that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think this semester, you know, in the beginning, I was really focused on sort of the, the content of, you know, the client experience and translating that. And I'm, I'm now realizing that, you know, the, the file management is also a big part of it. And so, I mean, you and I have talked a lot about this. Um, just because, you know, there's paper files and e-files. And I think, you know, law schools have to understand that the times are changing. And in some places, there are some law firms that are still very much paper and there are some that are completely electronic. And so, you know, part of the clinic experience is me also learning how to maintain and uh, manage files and then teaching it to students as well. Um, It's complicated. (laughs) It's complicated. (laughs) I I think... uh, yeah, I might do some instructional videos this semester. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we've, we've knock on wood, mostly survived through the plague at this point. We've made it past COVID-19 and everyone's knocking every bit of wood around them here. I mean, that had to have been an experience as kind of a new professor coming in, doing a hands-on clinical experience. And then, oh, by the way, you can't be in a courtroom. Well, you know, well, one thing. So, one, it was kind of good that it was my first year because I had nothing to compare it to. I didn't <laughs> exactly. know what I was missing. You know, I sort of had to create from a COVID experience. And so I was grateful for that and that, you know, it, it didn't, I didn't have have to sort of rewrite anything. I was going to be writing something anyways. Um, but court's been ongoing. You mm-hmm. know, we don't go as much as we used to. And a lot of things have become telephonic and by video. Um, but there, you know, some students have still been able to get in a courtroom. Um, and they've been able, you know, in a lot of ways, the telephonic and video stuff has allowed them greater access to the court system. You know, they could easily get uh, a WebEx link for a hearing in Grafton County or in Rockingham County, which, you know, would be very difficult for them to get to those courthouses, you know, regularly. Um, but now they could could observe by video. And so, um, you know, I was just actually talking with Judge Temple, the former clinic director, um, down in Hillsboro South in Nashua, and he said, you know, they're going to continue to do the WebEx things and encourage his students to, um, you know, uh, observe court that way. Because, you know, sometimes students always want to see the trial, but I think watching the bail hearings and the plea colloquies are probably the most important thing. Going back a little bit to advocacy in general for um, what's important for the client, clients, I mean, has it been productive, in your opinion, for clients that are maybe in remote locations or unable to travel as easily to be able to access their court, court sessions via online? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, look, the pandemic has been hard uh, in terms of getting in touch with clients and staying in touch with clients because obviously it's affected poor people more in mm. that, you know, um, housing and um, phones is is hard. You know, a lot of times you're sort of either using someone else's phone or you're running out of minutes or you're getting, you know, a new phone because, um, you know, changes in payment plan or whatever it may be. Um, so it's a struggle to sort of keep track of people in a way that we didn't have before when I could say, hey, just show up at my office. Um, but in terms of appearing in court, yeah, it's been great for especially district court because it's so much easier to just call in and be present for what happens in your case. Because before you would maybe in some places 
travel an hour to sit in a courtroom for five minutes while, you know, really just all that happens is lawyers talk in your case and then you leave and you've missed work because of that. You've missed family obligations because of that. So the telephonic things have made things so much easier. And I believe the court's going to continue to do some of these hearings remotely. I mean, going off of that a little bit, I mean, the cost benefit of it's expensive to have a law firm, you got to pay all the lawyers and the staff and everything. It's tremendous cost savings for those smaller hearings to just be able to back to back. Okay, I'm going to, okay, this this session, this session, this session. I don't need to travel all over the state. Right. And I think it does allow, you know, still lawyers to even maybe um, provide representation in more areas than mm. they used to. I mean, a lot of courts are still, there will be in-person hearings in every case, mostly, I think, going forward. Um, but at least those initial hearings don't have to be in person. Fall's coming up here much sooner than we probably wish it would be. But I mean, are what's it? How excited are you to actually see your students on on campus, all in the classroom again? I, I'm excited. I mean, the clinic's uh, full right now. I think with a wait list, so that's that's exciting to grow the program um, in that way. And you know, um, just start giving the cases to the students to work on will be great. You know, I sort of this summer I'm managing. Um, them myself, there's no one enrolled in the summer clinic, so it's me sort of working the cases mm-hmm. as best I can and keeping them up, um, trying to resolve some and and do the clients, um, give the clients obviously the continuing representation that I've always given clients, but there'll be a number of cases for the students to um, grab onto, uh, to be assigned to in, in the fall. And part of my recruitment effort this year was to tell students, you know, look, there's probably going to be more trials than in a regular semester because things are been so backed up for trials in both the district and the superior courts. So they'll they'll probably get some some good trial experience. Thanks for listening to Profiles, a special series of the legal impact presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.